Wardcast episode 253. Go! I'm DeLovento, and I am rejoined by Mr. Alexander Damrath. How are you, Alex? Hi, Dylan. I'm doing well. How are you on this bright, sunny March day? Oh, it's great. A new Monster Hunter's out, and Mm. and the world is beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Having a good time. Well, that's that's great. That's grand. Uh, Got yourself your Steelbook copy. I did. Thank you, Best Buy. Monster Hunter Rise. A free Steelbook. I didn't actually expect that, but there we are. They just gave it to you? That's interesting. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, like, we, we have too many of these. No one's no one's buying them. Please take one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, they also are still selling those commemorative coins when I went into the store for the Mario 35. Oh. Like, they're, they're like 10 bucks. Do you want 10 bucks for three coins that each have like a different Mario on them from the three 3D Mario games? Um, The only three 3D Mario games? According to Nintendo, it's just these three. <laughs> yeah, just, just make those coins three. for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm good. I did get the first set of the uh, the Mario 35th anniversary pins. Like oh, they yeah? have two series of pins, and you have to do like Mario missions to like get them. And they have like a full list of them on their website, and it's things like buy some Cold Stone ice cream with this coupon <laughs> code, or like. B- some of them are like as kind of shitty as like buy Super Mario 3D All Stars. Right. It's like, all right, I'm spending sixty bucks for a point to go towards this free uh, set of of pins. You you know what else they had in that Best Buy when I wandered in there? What's that? They had a shelf chock full, like at least twenty of those Game and Watch, but with Super Mario Brothers on them. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like. So these must be marked down by now, right? They were still like fifty bucks. <laughs> I really? was like, "That's how much they oh, were going that's for." That's why there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, I thought that thing was kind of cool. It wasn't enough for me to go like, like day one out and grab one, right? Because I I assumed it was going to be a hot commodity. But if it's not, maybe I'll go to swing by and grab one. Yeah, I, I I was considering it, but I think for fifty bucks, a ROM in a fancy plastic shell is not like that uh, that grabbing. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Thirty, maybe twenty in an instant. Sure. But yeah, like, impulse yeah. buy at that point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how far <laughs> they marked down. I remember being in a Best Buy maybe like a year or so ago, and I remember that's. I think those PlayStation Classics were around twenty bucks by the time I was roaming the Best Buy, and I was like, huh, like. Maybe I could get this piece of shit and <laughs> do something with it. Just, just hack it and throw a bigger SD card and more ROMs. Like, you're great, you know? Yeah. Like, if you call <laughs> plugging in a USB keyboard and hanging the escape button hacking. <laughs> I still can't believe it's that easy. <laughs> to access the BIOS or whatever. Oh. That thing was a mess. What a great little product. Honestly, I applaud it for how easily it, like, brought people into... uh uh, uh hacking these tiny things <laughs> like the mod the mod scene yeah you know for 20 bucks like a a, a playstation emulation box is not bad mm-hmm. less than i spent uh well alex 
So you play a Monster Hunter again for the yeah. for the eightieth time, mm-hmm. and still still hitting those hitting those notes for you. That same classic Monster Hunter taste. It is. It is. I I have noticed, and I don't know if it's like. I don't think it's the quality of the games because it's definitely. <laughs> uh-huh. Look, yeah. I know what you want to do. Uh huh. I know what you want to say. I'm asking yeah. you kindly as your friend. Hold off. Okay. A little bit. The okay. only thing I'll say from the outset is I think you you said uh, we were talking about on Discord. You said it. Uh, uh, you said explicitly what I've always thought implicitly is that you the way I view Monster Hunter is the way you view WoW. Yes. And because and I think it really comes down to the combat because our criticisms of each of those games of the other one is identical it's like mm-hmm. oh this combat's slow it's unresponsive it's xyz and so yeah so that's all i'll say that like <laughs> it I, is pretty funny yeah and, and then like we get into the i don't know the the gristle the whatever the skin whatever whatever comes first before everything <laughs> else in the part game. of the monster you cut into <laughs> in this metaphor oh. And, and, and like they both got problems in that field, right? Like they're both throwing text boxes at you, and like this is how you do this, this is how you do this. And like the tutorial's way too long, and it's frustrating. Um, like, like I get it. Um, it, it's it is kind of funny to me though. <laughs> yeah, for sure, what you're saying. Um, maybe I have been playing too much Monster Hunter because I had a slight realization yesterday that I kind of want to play some other games first. Wow. But it it wasn't like like I hate Monster Hunter now. I don't know. Maybe it was depression. Who knows? <laughs> I think I think you hate Monster Hunter now. No. I think that's I, 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 think that's what's I, I then then I like I, I think it was just like the need to go around and, and clean up a house or something like procrastinating finally giving way to like ah oh, shit. Uh I got chores first. Uh, once I managed to like relax and actually sit down and play, I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. That's what I wanted. Um but anyway, in any case, yes, mm-hmm. I've been playing new Monster Hunter as new established at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> um, but you're not that far into it, so it's not it's not much to. Have you gotten your uh, Pala Palamute Palamute? Yes. What, what they call the dog? Dog is Palamute. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, as as the cats are Palicos. Uh, you also get an owl, which wasn't as explicitly advertised. Was that a Palahoot? Um, uh it's a it's a cohoot. Okay. Yeah. Uh very into that one. The owl's cool. You could pet it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what my favorite Twitter account, Can You Pet the Dog, told me. Is that yeah. I can pet the owl. You could also pet the dog. Uh the dog does tippy taps if you're like cooking meat in front of it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, all kinds of, of great animations of this game. So uh fully explored to the extent that they can now that they have dogs great well speaking of monster hunter alex mm-hmm. uh i want to give a brief update here for uh our smash prediction pool or our oh so accurate <laughs> <laughs> you know clean well 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 organized well predicted prediction pool um so we're pretty sure at this point Sakurai is like listening to these podcasts. Yeah. He's uh, like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Just completely negating anything we want. It's like Crash Bandicoot. You got your fucking mind. And then he calls up Activision <laughs> immediately. He's like, deals off. Deals off. 
Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. we're not doing Crash anymore. Uh, doing we've ruined Coco. their 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 that leaked document, the five year plan for Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so so Pyra came out. Pyra and uh, Mithra, uh, blonde Pyra. Yeah, Mithra. Um, and uh, I played a little bit of them. Uh, I actually kind of like them. I'm ashamed to say that too. I'm like, they're, this is kind of right. They're hella fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that's the beauty of Smash, right? You, you can you can hate a game series, but like, man, this character is kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. This is fun. This is good. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty standard. Like, it's like sure. very much like a Zelda chic thing where it's like you transform to the other and one's faster and one's hits harder. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they don't have any like ridiculously wild abilities or anything like it's, yeah. it's just kind of standard sword play and the the interesting thing is like their moveset between them is fairly similar like their neutral yeah. b is both a close range charge up their side b is like arranged and and with subtle key differences that tie into how they play differently like pyra's slower hits harder mithra's faster that kind of thing yeah um so yeah I was playing a bit of them when they announced or when they put out whatever the final stream was. Sakurai's classic. Hey, look at my two TV living room setup. We're going to play some Smash Brothers. Uh, he, they also went over like what the extra goodies are going to be for coming out that came out with them. And one of them being some new Mii Fighter costumes. Uh, one of which being the classic Monster Hunter Mii costume that they had for four, right? They, yeah. they, basically re-releasing that one mm-hmm. um basically confirming that monster hunter is probably out monster Hunter's probably out they also have uh, one for arthur from ghosts and goblins which is another capcom right. property so arthur's probably out you know all the all the arthur stands out there are probably really sad uh did they get a new game recently yes well no they, they got a reboot of the first one yeah, Ghost of Goblin's Resurrection. Yeah, with the grimiest art I've seen in <laughs> a while. Um, yeah, so there was that. And then there's also this Ninja Gaiden uh, re-release coming out, like the three Sigma games um, for Switch. Mm-hmm. And I think there was an interview with the creator, or whoever the head of that studio of Team Ninja is, right? Uh, with Famitsu and... What was really interesting is one of the things they asked him was, uh, you know, why are you doing Sigma and not Black? Or, like, what made you... Because, like, I I think Sigma is, like, a a remaster, a re-release of, like, some of the other, like, Xbox-era Ninja Gaiden games. And he was like, oh, we lost the source code to all those. Oh, man. (laughs) And I'm just kind of like... I'm so curious what causes companies... Why that happens to some companies. And And it, you know... Not to stereotype, but it does seem like a lot of Japanese developers go through that issue. Like I know, like you know, there's the infamous like uh, Silent Hill one where they had to like yeah. recreate all those models with in Comic Sans or whatever. The Silent Hill, <laughs> welcome to Silent Hill sign in Comic Sans in that remaster. Um, absolute travesty. <laughs> and like uh, I know one of the Final Fantasies, like one of the teen Final Fantasies, I think is like unrecoverable or something. Um, so I'm curious what their like process back in the day for like saving source code. Part of me wonders given, I don't know, 
the Nintendo track record to be extremely paranoid about how their source code can be uh, uh, stolen. Yeah. Like, do these companies just kind of like purge after a while? Or are some of them very secretive to that effect? I, I think I think I saw one an interview somewhere that said something the effect of like they would repurpose whatever like backup drives they use. Like they would hmm. back it up. And then after a while, like when they moved on to like another project or like two projects down the road, they'd be like, all right, let's just reuse this drive and just save over everything. Because like, we're never going to need the source code again. <laughs> no one's going to want a remaster of this shit. Like, I looked into the future and future PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan said, no one wants to play <laughs> Gran Turismo play from the games. PS1. <laughs> and we have to stick to that uh, uh, mentality. Man, but, yeah, but so, yeah. So, so, so that, so that happened in that interview. He was talking about how like there was no source code, or there was no source code available for the for Ninja Guy in Black and some of the other ones. That's why they went with Sigma. And then also, he said that he was aware that people wanted Ryu Hayabusa in Smash Brothers, and he's like, right, waiting for the invitation, waiting right. for a phone call. So and. Uh... If that's the case, then it's a no, because as stated previously, all of the characters have been picked. Could be a misdirection, though. I mean, not to get too tinfoil hat. It could just be like, yeah, just wait until you hear something. And the something being like, okay, we're going to announce Ryu on this next one. Threw him off the trail. Yeah. Look at this. Bacon into that end of the woods. Bacon? Is that just, you know, it's like the dogs are like, oh, you know, like miss the scent. I don't know. It's expensive misdirection, just constantly <laughs> throwing bacon everywhere. <laughs> but it works. I guess. Uh, uh, to that effect... Smash nerds not, love bacon. <laughs> uh, not to uh, uh, jump too far off of this train, but we should probably... It, just because this is a good segue. You mentioned Jim Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, say, no one wants to play old games in, in an interview, which I don't know if that interview was recent or if someone dug it up given this news. Let me take a look. But um, some old PlayStation stores are going away. Mm-hmm. PSP, PS Vita, and PS3. Yes. Uh, yeah. Both portable systems and PS3, which I assume they're like kind of bound together because, I mean, I know the PS Vita had like that crossplay stuff. Yeah, yeah. PS3, so maybe that, maybe that's just basically the same server side stuff. Which is a huge shame. Um. Apparently, this means you're not going to be able to like download them again anymore either. Like the servers are just straight up going away that host right. the game files for these. Yeah. So if Which you is... had bought stuff and you can't store it all, um, then I mean something's going to be lost forever to you. Something that you bought. Yeah. Uh, which and I, you know, which, which is standard operating procedure. Not that it's a good thing, but I mean it's 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 what these companies. I mean it's what Nintendo does all the time. It's like hey, we're shutting, you know, we shop. We yeah. e-shop down, we're shutting the original DSi shop down. And like and in some cases it's like, oh, here's a digital here's an e-shop game that only ever existed on the e-shop, and there's literally no other way to legally acquire and play this game. Right. It's uh it's frustrating. I mean, if for one thing from like an archival standpoint, uh that's that's just bonkers. I mean, people yeah. want ways to sort of be able to go back and look at this art and understand it. Uh, but it's also just like, from a consumer standpoint, frustrating. 
because again, like maybe this will be lost to you forever now. Yeah, and I mean, like the classic one to me, I always remember was like the uh, NES Satellaview Satellaview games. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with these? Yeah, yeah, and like how like. For those who don't know, it's like Nintendo at one point had like this weird device uh, that you could hook up to your NES. I think it was NES. Maybe it was specifically Famicom. It would have had to been the Famicom because it never made it to America. Right. But it wasn't the Super Famicom, right? Like it was OG Famicom. Um, are we talking about like the, uh, well, if we're talking about like the Link to the Past ones, and that one's Super Famicom, Super Famicom uh, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. That's probably what it was then. Yeah, because yeah. I think they were Nintendo. I mean, I think they were Mario ones as well, or maybe they just used Mario as like th- the loading screen mascot. Right. It's hard to. <laughs> it's, I mean, I've never played these, and I'm 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 only familiar with them secondhand because basically they but, had this add-on that could like download games or like game. It was like the e-reader right. if the e-reader connected to a suborbital satellite, basically. And it was episodic, and yeah. like you had to tune in at a certain time to like right. get the download. It was so funny. Um, I also remember this a. Mostly because all of the games, I think because of like the Satellaview acronym for some reason, all of them have BS in the title. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Like you have to look up BS Kamigami to Triforce or something like that. It's Incredible. <laughs> I, you can yeah. get the Satellaview, the Mario Satellaview uh, astronaut outfit in Odyssey. Oh, right. It's one of his costumes. I wonder if it has like a big BS on his head. Uh, they it's, a, it's, it's in a reference to the Incredibles, which Miyamoto is a huge fan of. Yeah, <laughs> Miyamoto loves reference. the Incredibles. He's he <laughs> loves Brad Bird. Yeah. Uh, the, so so this 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 uh, quote that we were talking about from Jim Ryan's from an old Kotaku article that um, I saw from Imran Khan he dug it up, but the uh, the quote is. Uh, I think someone was, oh, okay. So, so Imran's referencing a Kotaku article, which is quoting him from a Time magazine article. Uh, but it says, when we dabbled with backwards compatibility, I could say it is one of those features that is much requested, but not actually used much. Um, and this is when he was the head of global sales before it became CEO of the whole shebang. Um, and he says that. And I was at a Gran Turismo event recently where they had the PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4 games out. And the PS1, PS2 games, they just looked ancient. Like, why would anyone play this? And that, that to me, just feels like such a, like... <sighs> it's kind of a shitty thing to say. It's such an ignorant thing to say about, like, this <laughs> yeah. art form. Like, it's... it. And I mean, like, plenty of people feel this way about how, like, oh, like, it's only about the best graphics or whatever. It's like, why would I want to play an old game when you got new, better looking games? And it it just feels so shitty when someone that is, like, that could actually do something about, like, ensuring some form of backwards compatibility with, you know, this huge catalog of games spanning five generations at this point it's just like yeah but they look like shit it's like that that, that doesn't matter (laughs) this is the point like that is a point and like there's obviously like the cost like benefit analysis there of like oh people don't use it much it's like okay but how much like how much does it cost you to do like how much how much legwork does it actually in in involve like ensuring these games like the ps3 right. yes because the ps3 you guys fucking went off the reservation did the fucking cell processing thing like mm-hmm. yeah like that's that's its own boondoggle but like ps1 ps2 like 
most of that stuff I think could pretty much be brute force at this point with modern architecture. Am I wrong? You know more about this than I do. I uh yeah, basically. Yeah, like uh, how like PS2 and PS1 emulations pretty in a pretty good state. PS1 not, is very good. Um and not counting and still, the PS1 classic. <laughs> right. <laughs> PS1 is very good and still constantly improving. I actually was reading about a brand new PS1 emulator on the market the other day that does like way better than a lot of other ones do right now. Um, and uh, PS2, I understand, is very similar spot. Like it's it's all, yeah, it's manageable. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any interest in those misters at all? Are you familiar with that? Misters. It's like the open source uh, um, FPGA solution for emulation. You you buy this board and it has FPGA, you know, CPU on it, and it can, and then you download cores of different platforms onto it, and then it just auto adjusts, and it's like doing the thing that FPGA is like sells itself on. It's like, hey, we are uh, programmatically recreating the CPU, so it's the most true to life emulation. I don't know if you looked into that. I know a lot of so people it's like a really... physical retroarch framework. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. No, I actually haven't looked up anything about that. I know a lot of people are really into it because it's like does a really good job at emulating it. Okay. Yeah, um, have to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's spelled Mr. just the regular way and it's capitalized all weird like nights into dreams. Like that kind of <laughs> is just like lowercase i and then like a bunch of other capital letters. Um, I mean, lowercase i looks cooler than uppercase i. We all know this. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, but yeah. And, and this this also I just want to say for a second this brought up another issue people sort of started talking about a, a particular vulnerability with the PS4. Um, CMOS batteries are a mm-hmm. thing in a lot of consoles. Uh, many of, of them tech. use them. A lot of tech. Uh, many consoles use them to sort of just keep track of the time. Evidently, people use this as an opportunity to point out that the one on the PS4 should that battery die, and it will in a matter of like ten years or so. Um, that apparently this just completely bricks the PS4. Yeah, it won't work anymore. It won't connect to the server. It won't boot. It it won't let you boot past a certain screen. It will just effectively turn the console into a into a brick. Um, PS2 can't use your clock anymore. PS3 can't use your clock. Can't sign into the network. Can still play games off of a disc. Yeah. I learned about this separately from this issue because the other day I was on my work laptop and my work laptop was like two or three minutes behind like the atomic clock or like the universal clock. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea why like all the settings were like, you know, flipped to like make sure it's synced up with like whatever database. And I was Googling like why that was that could be an issue. And someone brought up a CMOS battery and be like, yeah, if you're like your CMOS battery is like dying or dead, like. It just starts drifting away from the universal clock, which is a terrifying concept. <laughs> yeah, new Y two K. The the time starts drifting away. <laughs> yeah, like in Tenet, like we, you know, you have to do right. a temporal pincer move to to fix your CMOS battery. Oh man, Tenet! Wow, we've been watching <laughs> some rough movies lately, haven't we? We have. HBO Max has really been my home for just like inconsistent <laughs> films it's really nice of them to like release these movies date and date with yeah when they come out in theaters because there's no way i would go to a movie theater to watch most of these movies looking at you disney plus i'm not paying 30 bucks 
I already oh, pay you. I'm going to fucking like, pay 30 bucks for Black Widow, though. I know I am, because I'm a fucking <laughs> sad piece of shit. Uh, what movies... Uh, I, I know that... I mean, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Snyder Cut, but... <laughs> right. Uh, what else has come out? Like, the, the new Mortal Kombat movie is going to come out day and date on HBO Max next month. Uh, we got um, Godzilla vs. Kong next week, which right. I can't lie, I'm very excited for. I haven't seen any of the new godzillas or skull island so i'm not a i I'm not a monster like man. them yeah i think there's issues for sure but when at the end of the day if you want to watch some big monsters fight each other they're pretty good um they keep getting tripped up evidently they like listen to a lot of fans first godzilla reboot movie had like 70 percent story about people about Brian Cranston and his son, like mm-hmm. losing their, you know, his wife, his son, uh, his mom, uh, to like a nuclear disaster caused by Godzilla, right, or something, and then uh, it has Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver married to one another, right? Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's like a whole thing. Like they frame it around the people. And there was a lot of like clamoring about like it's about Godzilla, like you know, stop making it about the people. I think the bits with Godzilla are good enough, and I can still watch that first one, and I can still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, the climax is pretty incredible. I still feel um, King of the Monsters. They apparently tried to listen to that feedback and tried to make it like ninety percent monster stuff, but like test audiences hated it, <laughs> and so they 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 made it like okay, like fifty percent people story, fifty percent monsters. Um, still a little rough. Uh, Skull Island is a blast. I, I that's definitely the best one of the three. If you, yeah. if you if you had to watch one, watch Kong Skull Island. It's immensely entertaining throughout. Um, there's a very, very Apocalypse Now esque, like it's inspired by Apocalypse Now, but with like a, a much more hefty anti-war message. Sure. Um, it just in like you know the fact that all of the violence that is enacted upon Kong and his island, Skull Island, if you will, um, is uh, futile, you know? Like, like, I think my favorite scene, and someone shared it on Twitter recently and even made a point of, like, you know, how great this is for, like, the framing of the whole thing, um, is, like, a guy trying to sacrifice himself to save the team. He, like, you know, draws two grenades, and he's, like, walking towards this giant lizard monster, and he's gonna like you know like don't worry guys you go on i got this the lizard like hits him with his tail knocking him 30 miles away and you see him just like explode in midair doing nothing <laughs> it's it's amazing like the the movie is subverts expectations in just the right ways to keep it flowing keep it uh it's so good i love skull island that's definitely the best one but do you like do you like the peter jackson one um to be honest i've never seen it i saw that movie in theaters um and that is a four-hour movie like God. The, the other four-hour movie we're going to discuss and that <laughs> that's the only movie i've ever seen that has an intermission i've never seen another movie in my life that ever had an intermission and i just felt it felt so cool i mean that movie came out what mid-2000s mm-hmm. um so like being a kid i was like this is so cool like we're like in an old-timey movie theater like an intermission right. go outside go to the bathroom get some snacks this is cool uh <laughs> that movie's fine it's very uh it's very long and mm-hmm. it's uh yeah i don't jack black's in it and adrian brody oh right and uh um andy circus 
and it's just it's interesting yeah if a movie's about monkeys andy circus has to be in it <laughs> yeah by, by law by international law <laughs> uh gosh i was gonna say in the same vein john c Riley's in skull island just like a comedic actor in there for some reason uh <laughs> so oh and he's like he's like a like a vietnam vet or something that's yeah, been trapped just on been the like island living there the whole time right it's pretty that's great so weird. Uh, um but yeah hbo max these movies have been coming out like uh like i saw judas and the black messiah what we both did separately yeah. i thought that was pretty good um that was good that was this, really good watch that fu- one for sure this fucking tom and jerry movie who asked for this i i don't know and i keep seeing it tom the tom and jerry movie is like a monster that lives in your <laughs> peripheral vision uh-huh like I keep like not trying to acknowledge it, but it just kind of like creeps up here and there. Like, oh hi, I'm here. Oh. Right. Stop! Stop doing that! Stop reminding <laughs> Go away. me you no exist. One asked, yeah. No one asked you to be here. <laughs> it's like that Scooby Doo movie, that three, that CG Scooby Doo movie. Oh my I, god! Like, right. In, in, in like a fit of desperation of like boredom, I like sat down one night. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this movie. Like, I was just gonna have it play in the background and like do something with my laptop and i go on hbo max i turn it on i start playing it and i get through like the inch like the fucking origin story scene where it's like young shaggy and young scooby meet each other on the beach or whatever and then it flashes forward to like the mystery gang like having formed up and i'm like i just don't give a shit i don't give a shit like who gives a shit about scooby-doo who gives a shit about scooby-doo who is this for you know i don't know it's for my mom a pretty good reboot at one point but uh i never watched much of it people just said like oh this version's good but uh yeah like the cartoon um yeah there was one recently where surely you don't mean the live action movies from well way back when with freddie prince jr <laughs> surely you don't mean those god-awful films okay all right they're not great but i have to give some credit to making scrappy the villain yeah sure yeah that was smart everyone in the fucking world hates scrappy he's the worst character ever devised and they made him the goddamn villain it's fucking he's he lives inside rowan atkinson rowan atkinson is a robot mech body for scrappy (laughs) Doo. yeah mr beans is a gundam pilot by (laughs) scrappy Doo. uh like like there's there's redeeming qualities to those movies i never saw the second one but the first one i remember like okay (laughs) some some chops here all right, uh, but yeah, so so anyway. they got Godzilla vs. Kong. They got Mortal Kombat coming up. There's a new Conjuring movie that's coming out. That fucking okay. new Space Jam movie. Uh, uh, uh the new Suicide Squad from new James Suicide Gunn, Squad, mm-hmm. which got its trailer yesterday and looks great. It looks fine. It's like I, I can't I can't be excited for anything in the DCEU anymore. I'm just like, it's fine. I that trailer made me laugh multiple times, and then like made me gasp once and i was like okay i'm probably gonna enjoy this like i don't know I think i'll James give Gunn it a shot it. i mean yeah. it's gonna be fucking free on hbo max so of course i'm gonna fucking watch it um right. <laughs> god but, knows i need new movies <laughs> yeah um yeah man i just i just like uh, the snyder cut took just just sapped so much of my life force like and it was decent i mean it wasn't decent it was better it was better than the original version did you ever have you ever seen the, the first cut the theatrical so cut of justice did. league yeah and i, I forgot too. a lot of it basically all of it um there, there was definitely a point where i was like did this happen 
in the in this because like there was a, right. there was a scene there's a scene like at the end of the the Snyder cut where I was like this is pretty good like this is all right scene and I'm like did this happen in the in the original <laughs> cut like I literally can't remember the I saw the only movie. thing that like gave me deja vu was uh uh the big bat mech crawling out of the tunnel yeah the, that, the that was definitely point. in the in the the previous one the previous right. the the all right, we're, we're gonna talk about Snyder cut if you give a shit about Snyder cut spoilers which God help you if you do. Like we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. Um the so I saw the original version at Alex Rice's apartment at GDC one year. Like one night, I'm like, I'm tired. I've been fucking at GDC all day. I'm gonna come back to the apartment. Like, you just wanna fucking veg out. And it was like, why don't we watch the Snyder or why don't we watch Justice League? I'm like, yeah, let's fucking watch Justice League. So we sat down and watched that god awful movie. But that movie <laughs> that movie starts off in media res with Batman hunting down a parademon and like interrogating it or something in in Gotham and like figuring out like what is going on. So it's like already right. like like it's already starting off on a bad foot because like it's already making so many assumptions. Like I hate how, you know, I've hate how they've treated Batman in the fucking Snyderverse. Like I think it's like the the worst depiction of of Batman like from a narrative standpoint i think yeah. ben affleck as casting i think that's fine like I'm I, not... I think ben affleck's great casting the man's built like a brick house <laughs> and loves that character like like he talks yeah. a lot about how much he loves those comics like I, I think he was born for the role and then they keep handing him the worst batman movies yeah to, to do to play it in yeah i just i just think everything they're just like little points of light in a sea of darkness in the dceu and like the james gunn suicide squad movie is like another one of those points of light it's like okay that could be cool but like i'm i i feel nothing i don't want to get invested in like this shitty cinematic universe that has like stumbled so many times they, they got no plan they still have no plan <laughs> no plan but uh yeah so like the the snyder cut already starts off on a better foot than like this weird in media res bullshit because like batman is never like fully fleshed out as a character in the two snyderverse movies he's in and i mean he's not any better fleshed out in the snyder cut but at least they don't like immediately jump into it like i forget how exactly the snyder cut starts but like i think it it takes it from like the amazonian point of view or something like it, it makes it it makes the threat more cosmic and make more sense than just being Batman trying to figure everything out. It starts with Superman yelling and waking up. Oh my up some god, cubes. that fucking! St- oh my god, yeah. I I kind of wanted to shut the movie off right then and there when he like <laughs> it's it, it cuts back. Superman, stop yelling! You're waking up all the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts back to him at the end of fucking Batman versus Superman getting stabbed by Doomsday, and mm-hmm. he sends out this like. What is it? Is it like a like a, a sonic all- scream? Yeah, but is it like because if it's like regular like you know audible spectrum, wouldn't it like like burst the eardrums of like every person on the planet by like the force at which it's moving across the surface? I, if we're gonna apply physics to superheroes, then technically every time Barry touches a person, they, they should sh- like his fingers should just go through them, right? right. They like, should yeah, eva- it, evaporate, right? It, it's. <laughs> Just a fine red mist. <laughs> I mean, that's why fast people, that's why fast superheroes don't make sense to me. Like, because sure. they like, they always want to play with that. Like, I was literally watching in the Invincible TV show they have on Amazon now. Mm-hmm. And they have like a, you know, a Flash or Quicksilver analog in there. And he's like, 
grabbing a bunch of people from this like you know fight that's happening in some city and he's like getting them out of harm's way and as soon as he stops and puts them down they all start vomiting because they're mm-hmm. just like they don't know like they, their bodies can't handle the speed at which right. they just moved it, it, and it's also super weird in the cider cut because the first scene where you see the flash use his powers he, he does sort of do that like he just pokes a window and it shatters into a million pieces in front of him mm-hmm. and, and then i was sort of like okay so when he grabs the girl that he's about to save <laughs> Like his arms just gonna go through her, right? Like there, <laughs> no, but, but he can yeah. control it. We don't. Right. So the speed force, like yeah. literally, like speed force in DC is basically magic. Right. The- <laughs> I hate that they name it in this. He's like, I call mm-hmm. it the speed force. I'm like, fuck you, do like, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Oh man, it's just such a bunch of bullshit i mean like so overall i think that movie's fine i think it's perfectly fine it is better than the joss whedon cut yes um, um but still not a great movie <laughs> no it's still like a two out of five like a four out of ten film like it's not it's not anything to write home about but what i will say it's just so funny to me how desperate warner and dc were to like get this cinematic universe off the ground and running is mm-hmm. that the reason this movie is four hours long is that they have to do basically two separate origin movies through the course of the film. So they have to like set up the flash and set up cyborg so that those characters make sense. Where in the theatrical cut, they made basically no sense of being there. Like you knew who they were because you fucking right. know DC comics or you've seen teen Titans or you've watched the fucking, you know, CW show of flash right. But outside of that, it's just like a bunch of bullshit. They they had to. I I I respect the fact that Snyder tried to actually give them characters and make them a part of the movie, as opposed to Whedon, who was just like, ah, get them out of here. Mm. Like like uh, they're basically non-existent in the Whedon cut, from what I hear. Yeah, but, I mean they're basically just like comic relief. The both of right. them, um, Aquaman too. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think Flash has an actual arc in that movie. Like, I think it's kind of the way it's set up is like kind of dumb. Like, I think his like, you know, imprisoned father and all that is just kind of like, all right, whatever. Like you could like this is something that could have been better fleshed out if he had his own dedicated movie. But I think like him going from, you know, being the solo guy to being recruited to like understanding that his powers like he has self-imposed limits on his powers and then forcing himself to go beyond that and like making himself run backwards through time, which I thought was a pretty good scene. Like I think the the CG, like all the CG in these movies is just, I I found it really funny. My friend, uh, uh, enjoys the flash show and he's described it to me as I love the flash show. Every episode (laughs) is like, Barry going, I can't do it. And then everyone going, yes, Barry, you could do it. And then Barry does it. And, and to me, it was like the exact same arc, but in a movie. <laughs> and I, <was> like <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's nice is that it like actually sets up this Flashpoint paradox movie that they're going to do, right? Like right. the whole yeah. conceit is that he's going to go beyond his self-imposed limits and fuck shit up. And there's like three trailers at the end of this movie for, for three other movies that they want to do. 
Um, we're we're going to talk about one because we want to issue a correction from the last episode. Yeah. Uh, we we were confused about an internet rumor going around that Deathstroke has a halo symbol on the back of his sword. What's well, that? Real bar? I mean, like the it's in there. Like there's an image I, of it. Right, but the what the what made it sort of like a rumor. I guess is like everyone not being sure if it was originally DC or if it was originally Halo. Yeah. Um, the news is in. It's 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 Halo. <laughs> um, the guy Slade who Wilson, des- huge Halo fan. Right. The guy who designed the symbol pulled up the Illustrator files to prove it, and uh, that it was like everyone who was sort of pointing to the wiki that said, "Oh no, it's a symbol for the League of Shadows," um, including they- us. <laughs> It wasn't very clear that that wiki is actually for fan fiction, <laughs> and therefore someone pulled the symbol from Halo to use for their DC Universe fan fiction. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. You search Ra's al Ghul symbol in Google. Uh, it is the first thing that comes up for some reason. And uh, I noticed that particular cut or, or, or just that 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 shot wasn't in the final. No, it was yeah, it was probably some yeah. extra shot or something. The whole setup with Deathstroke is pretty much identical to what it was in the the theatrical cut of the movie, but it it, right. it just it just as equally doesn't need to be there because it's like I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about Lex Luthor. I don't give a shit about Deathstroke. I don't give it because like I don't know who Deathstroke is within the context of these films. Like he's never been introduced, so why do right. I care that he has some vendetta against Batman? Um, and I'm sorry, but Jesse Eisenberg is the worst Lex Luthor I've ever seen. I I don't know how they they like pivoted it to mad um, like. They like yeah, Lex Luthor is an industrialist, but he was always like sane and calculating and cold. He was like more of a kingpin esque than a than a Joker type. And they yeah. already have a Joker, right? Like why why is oh, Lex Luthor do, do they have yeah. a Joker? Right, like why why is Lex Luthor sort of mimicking Joker's mannerisms and, and way of speech and just like the way he he talks to people? Like he he adds all these vocal tics. It's weird. I don't like it. I don't understand. It's, it's 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 a it's a it is a ruined franchise. Like it is it is a it is a <laughs> crater of just like failed movies after failed movies and like that's why I can't get excited about the Suicide Squad movie cuz it's like yeah, sure it looks cool and I like James Gunn as a as a director and a writer but like what are they going to do to ruin it? Like they've ruined everything else. Well, even if it's good, it's like cool. Like you have this one good property, this one good film tied to this sinking ship. I I feel like they have to sort of move into standalones that aren't really related to each other. To and make he this said work. as much. He said like, yeah. oh, it's its own thing. Like it, like yeah. oh, is it a sequel for the first Suicide Squad movie? He's like, it's its own thing. Yeah, and I think that's a good idea considering that trying to follow any sensible plot through line like the very complex one that feige and the mcu have set up um is just not working well because they just they didn't they didn't set it up they had nothing to set it up like snyder had from what i understand to be like a not so great superman movie i've never seen man of steel and then like that came out that came uh, that came out before dark knight rises i think right um but both of those movies, both Dark Knight Rises and Man of Steel came out after the first Avengers. So mm-hmm. I think DC and Warner Brothers wanted to pivot into more of a cinematic universe because fucking 
the Avengers broke the billion dollar box office threshold or whatever. But they were like, well, we just gave Snyder Superman. Like, he just started on a thing, so let's just keep working with him because Snyder movies, for some reason, do make a shit ton of money. Right. Um, and so they just gave him the keys to the kingdom. And, you know, I'm sorry, but he's he's fucked it up. Like, it's just, it's it's <laughs> terrible. Like, I mean, and I haven't seen all of them. Like, I've seen, I've seen pretty much every DCEU movie outside of Man of Steel and Aquaman because I just, I, I just don't care. Um, like I saw the Shazam movie and it's fine. Like the Shazam movie and the first Wonder Woman movie are like, they're like fine. They're the good ones. The, the reasonably watchable. Ones. Yeah. They, they're competent. They're competent films, um, that like still have like on the edges of them that like greasy Snyder feel kind of like encroaching in because like they are still technically in this. Like, I just hate the art direction of the Snyder verse. Um, and they just keep making movies in that universe while also pivoting to these standalone movies with like the Robert Pattinson Batman movie and the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which is also like just such a weird thing that exists um, that like, what is, what is there? They don't have a plan. Like they started with no plan and then they thought they were going to build into a plan, but they kept shitting out terribly received films that they, they just threw their hands up. They're like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I read somewhere that, I mean, the MCU's overarching success is largely due to Kevin Feige loving these stories and being big into Marvel comics and like understanding the through line from the get go. And DC never hired anyone like that. Well, they made Snyder that guy. They made Snyder their Feige, but which he was- doesn't like. Like he doesn't have an attachment to it. Apparently, I mean, he's read them after the fact but he didn't like start out that way. Yeah. It's, it's man. I'm tired of talking about DC movies. They make me sad. <laughs> they're just, yeah, I just, I can't, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't do enough, it anymore. There's enough rich storytelling in there to at least be on par with like MCU. And, and, and they just, they just fumble it. Yeah. Forever. It's, it's like, well, we don't want to be exactly the MCU. Cause we don't want to be like this kind of like, you know, PG 13, you know jokey vi- colorful yeah colorful that's fine i i get that um do you think you could make them good though yeah like, like you never like- <laughs> you never picked you picked a position that always always felt like a reaction as opposed to like creating something that that was original like you just like well we don't want to do this and we don't want to do that and it's like all right what do you want to do cuz what it feels like is that you're just choosing everything you don't want to be and what's left on the table you're just going to mash together in like this weird like puddle putty of of nonsense right anyways yeah we don't have to that's the Snyder cut it's, it's fine like if you really want the experience you have to watch the Justice League movie first and realize how bad that is and then watch the Snyder cut to like get that emotional arc or or um not not to cross promote but if you have an hour just an hour uh red letter media has a great video that is both a review and a comparison between the two yes i've been um, hearing a lot about the rlm video it's it's fine that that will give you everything you need to know <laughs> i i've i was kind of turned off to rlm like I was watching some of their stuff, like I didn't know about them, and I watched like a couple of videos, and I watched like the Captain Marvel one, and the Captain Marvel one always came across as like 
pretty sexist. It's a little, yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, give anyone shit for watching it. I just, that's, that's always like in the back of my head whenever I think about those guys. Yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about video games? Absolutely not. Is this... Okay, we're a movie podcast now. Yeah, we're a movie podcast. Um, we're only superhero <laughs> stuff. I know people people love superheroes. I don't know if you know this, Alex. What? But superheroes are big. What? People love superhero stuff. And people love listening to people gush and gab about superheroes on the internet. Next thing you know, like, I don't know, a, a, an online bookstore is going to produce a couple of superhero franchises. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't, I don't. Who do you think is going to be the next character reveal in Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Do you think oh they're going to have <laughs> Agent Thirteen's going to come back? And I hope. Uh, I thought. Um, oh no, I'm blanking. The 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 Captain America that they met. Last oh time. oh Isaiah Isaiah. Yeah yeah. Man, that was that's really cool because that's a real deep cut. Um. And it's real. Like there was a black Captain America who went overseas to perform, you know, duties for the government and and as like reparations for his acts being essentially war crimes is what he's like commanded to do during World War Two. Uh, uh, when they brought him back, they put him in jail for 17 years. That's that's comic book canon. Yeah. And it's really cool how they're bringing it into that story because it, it's apt right now. oh man anyway yes superheroes are cool um you know what's cooler what's that uh video games okay about uh uh uh, a certain kind of superhero Uh uh-huh who can carry like 12 guns at once Uh uh-huh uh and like a flamethrower on his shoulder and a grenade launcher on his other shoulder and a chainsaw i just it's, I'm putting together now what you're talking about. Right. Um, uh, I'm talking about the Doom Slayer, Dylan. I'm talking about Doom Guy. I'm talking about Doom. Eternal. Mm-hmm. The Ancient Gods. Mm-hmm. Parts one and two. Okay. I beat them. You did. They're okay. <laughs> well, great. I think... I think it left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, I, man... And, and you know, to be clear, I still love this game. I still think its core loop is smart and well designed and well tuned. Uh-huh. Yes, it turned some people off, but like, man, if it didn't make me feel really excited to play it, uh, I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I like to judge things based on their intentions, right? Because that's how I would prefer I get judged. So, like, in my mind, I'm always going for like, okay, what was the goal? Like, you know, is is this what they set out to do? And if it is, then I can't be mad, right? I can't say it's bad. It's it's exactly what they wanted. And to me, Ancient Gods Part 1 really honed in what I felt about the base game of Doom, Doom Eternal. Because it got way harder. Like, this was this was always the goal. They They were always focused on making you, like, a stronger slayer who has to fight off increase like an extreme ramp of difficulty in terms of like enemies and encounters. Um, and part one like opens up with a level that throws a bunch of marauders at you. At one point it throws two of them at you at once. Like it, they, they decided that difficulty was their goal. 
And I was like, okay, cool. You guys understand your game. You know what you're going for. This rules. I'm in for it. I had to turn the difficulty down to easy, but I was still <laughs> enjoying it. Um, uh, uh, part two? Part two got way easier. Oh, really? I don't know. Like, did, did they, like, buckle under the criticism? Did they decide, like, okay, maybe we went a little too far? I, I don't know what happened. But part Wait. two had really only, like, one or two sections that really gave me trouble. And, and there's more sections with, like, the purple goo in part two that no one oh, liked. I yeah. I hated that um, shit. There's more sections in part two. There, there's, like, a, a boss fight that kind of frustrates me. They give you a hammer. Uh, and this replaces your sword, which you lose at the end of the base game. Uh, and... and that's just like towards the beginning of part two. Uh, and the hammer is essentially a free get out of jail free card. And it charges in two glory kills or two precision shots. Like if you hit a weak point with a precision shot or you get a glory kill, um, it charges half of ha- the, the hammer halfway. So is it the like ha- is it like a war hammer or is it like like a like a just a small little it's a big war hammer. It's two-handed. Okay. Um, okay. When you use it, if the animation is automatic, Slayer goes up in the air, Slayer comes down, there's a big shockwave. Um, enemies that are frozen that get hit with the hammer drop a ton of health, basically a free full heal. Enemies that are on fire drop a ton of armor, basically a free full armor. Um, and enemies that are killed by it drop a lot of ammo. It's like all three tools in one. You get it real easily. It also stuns enemies for a really long time. Um it absolutely trivializes the marauder as soon as he flashes green you hit him you hammer and like he's stunned for long enough that you could just murk him with the chain gun wow um yeah uh, that it kind of broke the flow i don't hate it it feels cool to use and i was like okay i'm fine with like an easier um an, an option that makes the game a little easier but um it definitely didn't feel like it meshed well with the other tools like all the tools originally did. Do you really think so in a, in a game that, you know, created the BFG? Like, that's just like... But the BFG, just... they... In Ancient Gods Part 1, you get BFG ammo only if you could find them hidden in, like, secret areas. You actually start it with zero, and I wasn't doing a ton of, like, exploring in Ancient Gods Part 1. I was just trying to get out of there alive. Um, and I don't think I ever got BFG ammo. Like, it's meant to be a a rare, you know, I'm not going to survive this if I don't use it kind of thing. And then in Ancient Gods Part 2, they actually start you off with two BFG ammo, and there's a couple arenas that just have it in the, have some in the center. Man, this sounds like my kind of doom. Maybe I should just play <laughs> Maybe you should just God's play Part, part 2. two. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's it's weird. I don't know. To me, it felt a bit disingenuous. I mean, I don't hate them for going through with it, but it, it it was it was so odd. And then there's like, and then like the ending feels really rushed. They open it with maybe the coolest cutscene in the game, where you get like an Avengers Endgame style, all these portals opening, and Doom guys leading an army against Hell, and uh, it it looks really cool. That level is actually awesome, at least the first half, um, because as you're going through it, like cinematic animation things keep happening in the background like you're watching a giant demon get punched by a giant mech um 
that rules. Uh, uh, and then like you're you're in that section for a little bit until you get like launched into the um, the fortress, and then you no longer get like cool animations to look at. It's kind of like a Halo level where you're just kind of going through a, a big windy fort an indoor area. Uh, and we should talk about the story a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about because I mean, like they end Doom Eternal on part of a cliffhanger with uh your robot right. buddy. What's his face? Um, what's that guy's name? The, uh, you talking about not um, Sam Hayden, the the AI? What's the oh AI Vega? Name? Vega, right? So if you read well, if you're reading the lore, and if you pay close enough attention, it's actually I think given away at some point in that game. Because, like, when you sort of touch a panel and, like, Vega speaks to you, or, or you're, you're giving Vega into the, the, the system that is heaven, essentially, yeah. um, the maker area, uh, he says something like, oh, I, I see now. I was the father. Like, Vega is God that yeah. got transformed into an AI and brought to Earth by Samuel Hayden, who is, um, what's his name? Satan. It, <laughs> yeah. Uh he's um a Nephilim, I think is what they call him. Yeah, which yeah. is like the race that like adopts the Doomslayer, right? Right. Um other humans of that realm. Right. Uh, uh this this lore gets convoluted and intense. Uh uh some people like it. I have a friend recently who was just like <laughs> Man, I love these codex entries. I was like, I never read them. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it the the same friend as the guy that really likes the Flash? Like, uh, no, actually, every level, level the, you know, Doom Slayer, you know, he says I can't do it, and then someone's like, you could do it, and then he does it. <laughs> and hell, is that good storytelling or what? Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So, sorry, I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked here. It's a lot to 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 think about. Yeah, you just give me the like whatever the main All beats right. are. Like I don't the cool things are. The cool things are. Ancient Gods Part 1 actually ends on a really sweet note. You are tasked with um Samuel Hayden wants you to go and get an orb that is essentially the life essence of the father of Vega. As long as this orb exists, then Vega then the god will exist, right? He wants you to get that orb so that he can use its power to create his old Nephilim body because he's stuck, stuck, tired of being stuck in like a shitty robot body. Or rather, he is in his in a Nephilim body, but it's like weak and it's dying and he needs the power of the father to, to restore it. Um, Doom guy, there's this really funny thing. Ancient Gods features a new character called the Intern, who's like a voice that talks to you. He, he's, he's your guy in a chair. The level where you were supposed to get that orb starts and your like objective marker is like collect the destroyer orb and and the interns like uh I see that your your goal is to get the destroyer orb you know that's not what Sam asked you to do right right like like he says it like that he's cute um so you get to that point where all the orbs are Sam is just there <laughs> for some reason hey what's up yeah it's really funny he i think he does say before that level like i'll meet you there but it's still like kind of weird that like could you not just how did you get here yeah. Could you just brought me here um like why'd you task me to get this thing that you apparently needed that 
You right. could have just gotten on your own. I went through a whole dang level for this, right. man. I'm um, already at yeah. the store to get milk, and then I get to checkout, and you're there. Like, why did you? Why did I have to go? <laughs> um, and then, like, you just sort of like walk past him in the cool Doom Slayer silent protagonist way. Um, he's like, you know, get the orb. You pick up the bad orb, which is like Satan's, I guess. Okay. Um, the, the borb. Right. And and he's like no what are you doing that's not what i asked for and you just like walk through the portal back to like the base with it um everyone sees it and leaves because i guess it's like bad juju to have the satan orb around you okay. um, except for the intern intern who's like oh you want to take that to the bakers don't you all right and he's like uh yeah you know what I, I whatever you got a plan you seem to know what you're doing and like the interns again he's cute he's there to help you take the orb to the makers ancient gods part one ends with you handing it over and apparently the bakers have like a sacred vow if you bring them one of these life orbs they will reconstruct the being in their physical form you have them make satan okay so that you can kill satan so that all of the demons will go away forever that is that was doom guy's plan all along apparently they build satan's physical form in front of you uh and it's you <gasps> it's a second doom guy <gasps> i thought this was pretty rad it's like doom guy but with glowing red eyes oh, okay yeah i i was like oh hell yeah <laughs> like like the the only thing on par with you is 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 satan um or, or you're some of your condition the implications of it are just kind of badass and then ancient gods part two is uh starts off right after that like you're in the room you've got your shotgun you load it and like you go to fire it on him but there's like a barrier or or, like the shots like fizzle out in midair and he talks to you and a voice it's the same voice that like read codex entries out loud in doom 2016 sure so it's that really deep demonic voice and he says something about like no blood can be spilled here leaves through a portal and then you're like, okay, so we have to gear up for like a big fight against hell. He's he's waiting for me in like the center of hell, and you have to go there. Um, queue a bunch of levels. You have to go to one place to get the hammer. You have to go to another place to like amass the troops. Final level is all the portals. Everyone storming the castle. You go through the castle. Um, and again, this is sort of where the final. This is sort of where like that bad taste of the mouth comes in. Uh, the final boss fight's kind of lame. I definitely like it was set up, you know, like, oh, this is going to be some guy who's on par with you. And this is going to be like fighting another slayer. He's going to have all your tools. He's going to have all your tricks. He's going to be just as dangerous. He's in a big mech suit and he just kind of fights like a big marauder. He flashes green. You stun him. You do damage. Um, He's got he summons two wolves instead of one. Wow. Um, Two wolves inside of him. Right. It's. It feels rushed, right? Like the whole, this whole fight feels so under undercooked. And then there's even like enemies in this level that are these soldiers, these these hell knights. Um, they're just like wearing red armor and carry glowing spears. Um, you shoot them once with any weapon, and they just explode into ammo, which like reads as 
oh, they didn't even like finish giving these guys glory kill animations or anything. You can't chainsaw them even. They just like couldn't figure out how to finish it. That could have been a pro just because of COVID, honestly. That could have been like, we, have, been. we have a deadline yeah. and like we have to get this out the door. Right. Um, so yeah, the boss fight's kind of weak. The ending cinematic has the Slayer take his helmet off. So if you didn't see his face enough, <sighs> if, you, if you thought you didn't see his face enough, right, then they're going to give you like full head. There it is. And underneath that helmet, Master Chief's helmet. <laughs> um, the Satan in his big mech suit is like sort of, you know, like the top opens up and you see like, you know, tor- like a bust of Satan. Um, he's all, uh, he's all like, you know, I, I am, I am your creator. I am the world's creator. I I am the one before all of this. How could you destroy me? Um, doom guy approaches with, you know, no convictions whatsoever. Satan kind of realizes this, throws his big sword away. And it was like, all right, do you have any last words to say to me before you kill me? And this is cool. Doom guy just says no and stabs him. Like that's his one voiced line. And I think that's pretty neat. Like, all right, just give it, you know, <laughs> there's something badass about that. Uh, kill Satan. All the demons in the world everywhere are gone. Uh, then he kind of passes out. Doom guy. You get a brief scene of him being lowered into the, this is weird. A brief scene of him being lowered into the coffin that looks exactly like the one he pops out in 2016. Okay. So at this point, I don't know if they just have to always use that coffin to keep him sealed or if this is a prequel. Oh, to 2016? Right. Oh. Uh, huh. But but that's that's where it ends. That's okay. the conclusion to Doom Eternal. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, the final boss sucks. Um, the last few chapters are a bit rushed for sure. And, uh, and now I hate doom. I don't know. It's, it was still a game, best games played last year, right? Like I, I still love mm-hmm. this game. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of a frustratingly, I don't know, murky ending. Sure. Anyway. That that's not to end it on such a weak note, but I, I but that's, what they I, that's how I feel about Doom Eternal now. I got I keep got to thinking about like, man, is that DLC? Can I recommend that DLC anymore? And the answer is I don't know. I feel like everyone's already made up their mind about Doom one way or the other. Like this is true. Yeah, I surely know some people that really like it. Most people I know weren't huge fans of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave Ostry is going to tweet about Doom Eternal until the end of time. <laughs> yeah um cool anything else on on the doom train nothing else on the doom train i i am sort of thinking about how this lends itself to the rumor that they're just going to be done with doom for a little while though yeah i was gonna bring that up like i think like this is kind of like their conclusion i mean i just all these id properties that have been that have been uh rebooted like they've all had really strong initial entries and then subsequent ones just on average seem to be you know not as well received like i yeah. mean wolfenstein youngblood is on 
Game Pass now. I'm kind of curious to check that out. But I, man, watching that speed run of it at this year's AGDQ made me think, oh, I should try this actually. Like, I don't know why I haven't given that one a fair shake. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I was, I was pretty bored through most of New Order or New Colossus. Right. New Colossus, yeah. yeah. New Order's the good one. New yeah. Colossus is the one that's kind of like, man. It's fine. It's fine. Like, right. I, I like New Colossus, I think, I, more than Eternal. Meh. Well. And I, I like Eternal know. more than New Colossus. I think I was just bored in New Colossus, whereas in Doom Eternal, there are just parts that like really frustrated me. So mm-hmm. that's why I might hold it more negatively in my head. But I still finished Eternal, so I still enjoyed it enough. It's, but yeah, I just, I feel like Wolfenstein and the Doom reboots have both, like, they start off really fresh and then afterwards. Yeah, I'm not sure what compels them to change up the formula so much. I don't know. You know, and and like, you know, I'm going to argue to the end of time that I think it works to Eternal's benefit, um, but it didn't work for New Colossus. And it's clear that there's something going on where they're just like, okay, it can't just be like a sequel. It's yeah. It's got to be a, a kind of a shift. Or that it's um, just a weird time jump because like two Wolfenstein 2 ends on them like about to like kickstart a like global revolution. Right. And then, and then Youngblood huge... sort of seems like it plays out like that didn't happen. Well, no, it happened in the US and then they go to oh. Europe because Europe is still like partially under nazi occupation oh, okay. is the thing but like the well, united states is like that. fully fully free um right. okay yeah i don't i don't i don't know i don't know <laughs> it's it, it's hard to like i mean there aren't really any other huge id properties for them to like do this formula with right like uh, quake i guess but like they yeah, don't got rage yeah like, not even close to like a reboot of that right. <laughs> um but like quake champions is pretty much on ice right like yeah commander keen that mobile <laughs> commander keen game i don't know yeah i i just don't know what you do with id anymore i mean and obviously wolfenstein was machine games and they're gonna go do the indiana jones game now so right i guess we'll see what happens with that i don't know I, and i also don't have any like i don't have any nostalgia for it right like i didn't grow up playing doom or quake so yeah like they could ostensibly not make anything anymore and I wouldn't be too bummed out about it. Uh, or they, they they could stop making these classic properties and go make something new and I wouldn't be too bummed out about it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, well, pivoting off of that, Alex, Yeah. Uh, we assigned ourselves some homework from last <laughs> <did>. episode. <laughs> um, we played some walking sims. We did. We played some more walking sims. I also played an additional walking sim, but let's talk about the ones that we were Jones in to talk about last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, do you want to start off with Dr. Langeskov, the tiger and the terribly cursed Emerald colon, a whirlwind heist. There's a lot to this, <laughs> you know, like, man, I, 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 just coming off of what you were talking about. I was expecting it to be much more of a walking sim, but like, there's a lot of action elements, uh, like some stealth gameplay. <laughs> I mean, like when you gotta, when you gotta dodge that tiger, uh-huh. you know, like that, that's, that's really tense, but like you know, then they give you like the grappling hook, and that's super freeing. Like you can you can sort of yeah. go after the the mansion in whatever way you want possible. Um, uh, and, there's, and you don't there's... even have to get the emerald. Like you get some other object, or like get no treasure and whole separate right. endings yeah. because of that. 
I, I, um, man, there, there was like a, a some weirdness to it. Like the timing of when the thunderstorm came in felt yeah. a little awkward. And, um, uh, I could swear I heard like voices at one point. I don't know, like, like somewhere through a wall that I don't think had anything behind it. Uh, but uh-huh. it's, uh, man, like, like what, what a cool game. For for like a for like you know your average walking sim to be like a, a fully realized immersive sim maybe with like stealth elements and a, and a little little action in there, um, it's yeah, your that, perfect that game. Yeah, I loved it. I love this game. Uh, <laughs> None of this happens in this video right. game. Um, Doctor Langaskov is is about that happening to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> You are working behind the scenes to make sure their uh, uh, experience in the video game is is cool. Literally like, behind me- the scenes, like it's set up like a stage right. play. Like you exactly. are walking there, <laughs> behind the scenes of this production, and you're like throwing levers and hitting buttons to activate like the the next the next scripted sequence. Right. Um. You. You're like in line to be in the game but you get roped into working behind the scenes because the rest of the workers are all on strike. And the guy who is behind the scenes, you never see, you just hear, um, is all like, please, you know, like I need your help. Could you, could you, could you help me out with this? And then you can go next. Um, so there's like a bit where you have to like activate the tiger cage and make sure it opens at the right time to unleash the tiger on the player. Um, there's a bit where you, as soon as like a light goes off, you have to pull a lever to activate an elevator. Um, and all of it's just like the the guys of yeah, like being being the systems operator behind a video game. Yeah. Um, some particularly humorous bits throughout. You can sort of toy with the guy and, and make it seem like you know you're not helping him, and he gets very flustered. Um, man, I I think the bit that works the best is the ending with the giant number pad. Yes. And like yeah. I don't think the numbers actually end up doing anything, but I. I really want to try actually going back through it and remembering because there are some sticky notes with like number combinations on them. And I was sort of wondering like, okay, what if I remember these and go back and punch them in? Do they do anything? Because none of the combinations he tells you seem to do anything. It, it seems like it's just going to run through a scripted sequence anyway. Sure. Um, but like I, I couldn't find anything out about this game having like alternate paths or other things to do that aren't super obvious your first time through. Because your first time through is only going to take like 15, 20 minutes. So I was thinking like, okay, there's got to be more to this. But then again, it is free. So yeah, I don't know. yeah. I would say because it's free, like it's definitely like it definitely feels like from the people that made the Stanley Parable, but it's definitely mm-hmm. much more pared down in terms of scope. Like it's not like. But- they keep making it feel like there's more to it. Like all the hidden pretzels in the sure. tape deck that you can sort of find tapes that play in it that are just Justin Roiland doing very Justin Roilandy bits. But the thing is, that's yeah. much less more work intensive than if they had like diverging paths, right? Right. Like like the Stanley Parable, like I feel like if you compare like the amount of voice lines I- in this versus Stanley Parable, it would be like... You know, I'm not expecting diverging paths. I'm just like, okay, where are all the Easter eggs? <laughs> sure, sure, that's fair. Yeah, and there's some that you can like. You just gotta like kind of poke and prod around each room because it is very guided. It's like you are in a room and you do all the objectives and activities in that room, and then a mm-hmm. door unlocks and you move into the next room. Um, it's fun. It's fun. Like it, I like that kind of stuff. It's 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 interesting how it's like another kind of take on what 
the Stanley Parable is doing. Like Stanley Parable is about like existing inside of a game, but like breaking it from the inside. Whereas this is about like breaking it from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like Stanley Parable is like Stanley goes to the left and then you go to the right and it's like, all right, how do how are you like what what does agency mean in this? And then and Doctor Langeskov, it's like what is you know what is being what is being like a dm mean or something or what is being like what what does it mean to be someone that's like trying to put on a good show and entertain someone else and like having right. fun w- with that idea so yeah i think it's yeah. cool would you like it i did i did ultimately great um i i'm the kind of person where justin Roiland's brand really hits me so mm-hmm. uh i was looking forward to that uh, I felt kind of like, oh, he's actually not in this game my first time through, but no, he's just all on the cassette tapes. Yeah. You have to remember to pick up that deck if you want to hear his bits. Um, and I mean, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's like the short story equivalent of a video game. Yeah. It's like you can do it in a session and be like, that's cool. That's fun. I like a, I like a game I can complete in like, you know, 20, 30 minutes nowadays. I want to... You know, give give you a short and sweet experience, and let me move on to something else. That's fair. My attention um, span is ruined by <laughs> years of sitting in front of a TV. You have to you have to give this to me. <laughs> um, and then we also played, or I also played. You had already played uh, Edith mm-hmm. Finch. That's right. And I watched you play through this one. You did. You watched me play all of Edith Finch, which is admittedly a weird experience because I feel like a lot of most Walking Sims are very like uh uh you know lonely experiences like intentionally mm-hmm. so so it's yeah. weird like playing playing a game like that and like talking to one another and like riffing and joking and it's like it's, no uh, this must be a serious scene there's something serious <laughs> happening like yeah it's it's a morose game yeah. it's it's a it, uh, melancholy i guess is a better term like it, it's a little hard to mst3k through edith finch <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, we had fun. But yeah, I think I think it might have affected. Like, if I played it by myself, I might have had like a more emotional response to it, or like higher praise. Yeah. But playing it with you, it was like, oh, we're having fun, and like, and when it was done, I was like, all right, that was cool. Um, but I think <laughs> it's like by far one of the highest quality Walking Sims. Like the production value on this thing is through the roof. Like, yeah. I mean, like like Firewatch is a certain type of high production value and this is its own thing where it's like they're just doing like visual and graphical tricks that are just it does it does a lot of the uh the like uh splinter cell convi- conviction thing where it's like here's a bunch of text like within the environment but like in splinter cell it's like oh we're going to project it like on a wall this it's like free like it's 3d text just floating in the scene and when you approach it and get too close it like blows away like it's leaves in the wind and like every right. like when i first saw it like because you're like walking down the road to the house and you like come upon this gate and then the gate swings open and there's a bunch of text that was sitting on it and it all, get, all gets blown away. And then some of it falls and lands on the on the gate and just kind of sits there. I'm like, oh, my God, they like put collision on it. And yeah, like they have to like <laughs> make it work. It's like it's not it's not like a one sided plane it, like has to you have to see it from both sides and it kind of like spins around like and, and the clever subtitles are like a reoccurring thing in a number of forms. I in particular remember the dandelion scene as just being like holy shit there's 
or the stuff with the kites like you know you're flying a kite in one flashback and it's just going over this this beach and all the words are in the air and you have Mm -hmm. to like fly by they're all like backwards or like all mixed up and you fly through them once and it spins them around so like you can actually read the words and the voice line will play and then you have to hit them again and it'll scatter them and make a huge trail behind your kite and i'm just like oh my god it makes the act of reading a kind of play all its own (gasps) that's wow game design oh my gosh (laughs) but yeah i think it's cool i think it was it was interesting and fun i don't know if like the story did much for me like you don't really you you don't really get a lot of attachment to edith finch who is the character Mm. you're playing as and and his who is narrating the -hmm. game um like you would to like you know the sister in like gone home it's like by the end by the end of that game you like you feel this very emotive emotional resonance with them but with edith finch it's just kind of like you know the game feels very like series of unfortunate events like it's very like you it's said, got morose, that weirdness to it yeah, yeah it's it, it's weird but it's also very macabre and it's not it's not it's not the kind of like tone that really like strikes a chord with me so i'm the, already kind of like the secret the secret is series of unfortunate events is a comedy and this is not that to be yeah. clear <laughs> but i mean there are comedic aspects for sure like the stuff like the flashback that's in the comic book and stuff like there there are there are oh, play- sure. there are playful tones throughout but right. it is still predicated on this conceit of every person in this family dies by it's some a little irreverent and whimsical here yeah. and there yeah and it was just, and it was just i think because of that because like there wasn't like a huge you know there wasn't there wasn't a twist or there wasn't there wasn't like some big like sticking plot point like the mm. you know edith finch doesn't discover anything about herself right like it's stuff she mostly i mean well she does i i take that back the flashback when it's you finally get to the scene where it's the night before you move out of the house mm-hmm. i think that scene's really well done because yeah. it also plays you know, it plays with Edith, but it also plays with the player, right? Because like, so like most of the game is played out in these flashbacks and you flashback and like possess the, uh, a previous family member and you find out how they all die or most of them die, um, through this way. And they all die in like, kind of like random and in gruesome ways. But you then get a flashback to, cause Edith used to live in this house, this weird ramshackle rickety house with her grandmother and the grandmother's obsessed with the stories of the family and how they died and all this stuff. And you get this flashback to, uh, your mom and your grandmother arguing. Cause your mom is like, we're finally leaving. Cause of like, you know, the curse, you know, everything that surrounds this family. And so you go wander into like the, the study or something. And you find like the scrapbook or whatever that your grandmother's put together for you. And it mm-hmm. like basically lays out everything about, about the family and like throughout the course of the game like the player you as the player like putting stuff together and like understanding is like okay like there's a curse of some sort and it like befalls all these people and they all die in weird ways and some of them like their deaths don't make a lot of sense you know there's like the girl that like transforms into monsters and like the one that like gets ripped apart by like 70s or 80s horror movie monsters like like there's an explainable reason for all of them but like the mm-hmm. the, the game doesn't go out of its way to explain like the actual like realistic reason like it plays it's like big fish in that way right it's like it plays yeah. in like the mythology that's created around itself and so you finally get to this book that your grandmother has written for you that like kind of lays all this stuff out 
in this final flashback and you go to open it up and your mom discovers you in there and she like closes the book on you she's like don't read that and you as the player you're like what the fuck like i want to finally figure out what the fuck is happening and you don't even give me the satisfaction for that and that in in not getting the satisfaction is satisfying in and of itself because then you finally get that emotional resonance with edith finch but beyond that i felt like it was like kind of just a romp sure there there's a mystery to be had i think like just about how the family handles the curse and how that is sort of the curse itself right like like i think what most of like the theories have gone down to is that i mean the grandma is kind of the problem in that she sort of idolizes the deaths amen she brother ench- she enshrines these people after they die she's the one who makes a big deal of the curse um the fact that one of her daughters dies and like she won't talk to anyone about the story except for a comic book publisher that will make it into like something that isn't real it's yeah. not like like a like a whole like a monster movie yeah it's um, like the crypt keeper but for comic books Right, she won't talk about how her, the youngest daughter, the one who dies, with like the sequence, the dream sequence where like she's hallucinating. She won't talk about how she dies. She'll just like leave it up to, oh, she turned into a cat and and went away, you know? Like, it's it's all about how sort of not, not approaching reality is what breaks us or, Mm -hmm. or, 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 can frustrate and i think it comes to play especially in your brother's death um not the painter but the one who you know keeps getting inspired by these stories and keeps being told you know this family is full of magic and mystery and a curse and 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 sort of real life not living up to that expectation is what drives him to be suicidal uh it that's sort of what I got from it. Um, in addition to just sort of feeling like, man, this sucks. Especially that story about the brother, because I've been there. I've had a mind-numbing job that made me wish, like, you know, like like I could be anywhere else, anyone else. Um, I found it reasonably powerful. Like, I, I don't think I walked away from it feeling changed, but still affected in some way yeah i can see that. that yeah yeah and i think if i played it by myself that more of that stuff might have resonated with me mm-hmm. um and and i enjoyed it in the moment like the stuff with the brother oh, yeah. like working in the cannery and he's having like and again just a ridiculous like technological feat right because like you're playing one scene and then and you were hinting at this last episode because you didn't want to spoil it but like you're playing this one scene where you're just like grabbing it's like a pov shot and you're grabbing fish off this like conveyor belt and putting it over this like guillotine the guillotine's coming down chopping the head off and you're putting it back on the conveyor belt and then over time like this kind of like you know burn mark where this is kind of like dream bubble like expands out like from the corner and then with the other stick you're controlling like from this like isometric kind of top-down perspective like this like kind of low poly version of yourself in like this fantasy world and then that starts expanding more and more and like over the you know screen view and you have to still control both but like i th- I was like holy shit like this yeah this was probably running at like 10 frames a second 
for like most of development. Like this, <laughs> this seems like a nightmare. There's um, a lot of magic in what remains of Edith Finch that needs to be experienced. Yeah, I feel, and I think it's good. I like, I enjoyed it, but yeah, yeah. it was definitely not. It definitely wasn't like a, uh, you know, and I'm not, and I hate to always be like comparing one to the other or, you know, games to one another, but like it very much wasn't like, you know, when I walked away from Gone Home, I was like, uh, I, I need a minute, like, cause like something happened there. It, it wasn't on that level, but it was still really enjoyable. And I mean, I would argue like, I don't think Firewatch was on that level to me either. Like I finished Firewatch and I was like, that was really good. Mm-hmm the end like <laughs> so yeah no it was cool um one last walking sim that i played uh i played uh the new game from uh uh doc burford uh the creative director on this i believe um adios mm-hmm. um came out i think sometime is it burford last or buford it's burford sorry Okay. I know, I know it's like it's like, I know it's like a Berenstain Berenstain Bears scenario, but no, it's I'm pretty sure it's it's Burford, okay. uh, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, I you haven't played it yet, right, Alex? No, not yet. Yeah, yeah I so want like, to. Yeah, but the conceit in like the the trailers and stuff is that um, you play as this pig farmer who is never named in in the game just kind of is referred to as the farmer or pig farmer Mm -hmm. and you work for the mob just kind of generic mob i would assume kansas city mob because i think it takes place i think doc lives in kansas and so i I think i'm assuming it probably takes place in kansas i don't Um, know kansas city had a mob well let me tell you watch ozarks on netflix and you will quickly discover or or um uh uh, fargo we talk about the kansas city mob a lot in there um Mm -hmm. but you basically uh you you work for the mob um disposing of bodies right. uh with your pigs, pigs will eat a whole body yeah they'll eat anything um and so the, they come with like the bodies all already like butchered up and you throw them into the pig pen and they consume them right. game starts with you deciding that you no longer want to do this and your kind of uh, uh, liaison with the mob, the guy that you've known for like a decade or so doing this job, shows up on the day to like dispose of the bodies again, just as any other day that he'd be doing this. And you'd let him know. And he's like, you really like, are you sure? Um, because there's an implication that like, you know, no one leaves the mob like the on mob. two feet. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. When you're gone, anyone who's ever watched a movie knows that you don't leave crime, (laughs) right? Um, And so it's kind of just like the game. Then is like them kind of talking to one another over the course of a day. Like after this, this 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 decision has been made by the pig farmer, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really good. Um, I think the reason it succeeds because there's a lot of stuff on the edges that are uh, like a little rough. Like the UI isn't great. It's, the game is made in UE, a very basic UI. Um, does UE have built-in like uh, like game control, like controller HUD icons, like an A button or a B no. button? Okay, you gotta add those images yourself. Okay, um, whichever image set they got, kind of looks kind of cheap. Like it doesn't look particularly great. So there's a lot of stuff on the edges. Like if you're looking for high production value, 
like it might turn you off. But I would implore anyone that would try it out to kind of look past that because the things they did invest their time in, I think, make the game really powerful. Um, there's a horse in the game. I think the horse looks horrifying. Um, it is like a horse made out of like clay and it like looks very uncanny valley and it has these giant kind of bulbous iguana eyes that are like (laughs) completely black and they're like matte black this is really funny if you follow doc on twitter uh doc is terrified of horses (laughs) well this won't help he he makes a very big point of like horses being the scariest animals and uh i i'm guessing that's a very intentional thing maybe i mean the the goats in this game also don't look great like like all Mm. all like a lot of the models um like the guy you talk to like he has that very like kind of low budget like i'm going to talk but it's like i'm Mm. a muppet and my jaw is just going to go up and down in one direction right um like which understandable like you know you're not going to you know it costs a lot of money to pay an animator to like animate every individual like uh uh scene of of him talking but it can pull you out if the writing and the voice acting wasn't so powerful. It is extremely powerful and extremely good. And uh, I think the one thing, the one kind of spoilery thing, like it's not plot spoiling, but it's kind of this realization you have is that there are dialogue options, right? Um, and the dialogue options don't really like fork the story much. It's just kind of like guy asks you something and you can like respond the affirmative or the negative, And then you just get like the dialogue exchange. That might be a little different because of those. At some point in the game, uh, you get dialogue options, uh, and they're always in the corner of like it's never center; it's always in the corner of your screen. And mm-hmm. some, and later in the game, you get dialogue options. Some of them will be grayed out, and they're all connected to the. If you use a controller, they're all connected to the D pad. So you just hit the D pad in a direction to try a select one. And if you select one that is grayed out, it'll disappear, and you'll just hear the farmer go, "Huh," or "Hmm." or something like he hmm. he will he won't say it and it took i was like okay how do i unlock these 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 dialogue options and i think the realization is you don't so it's like very much like a depression quest kind of thing where it's like these are the things that he would want to say but 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 can't but can't yeah um okay, it's, wow. it's really good because it's really good at like you know i'm you know i, I had my tirade about control like the big internal monologue but i think this is really good at like showing both a omniscient you know a first person perspective in multiple ways right because like in most games your first person perspective if you're playing a character in first person or with like dialogue you're controlling them you know it's like here's my dialogue wheel and like i can say any of these things like mm-hmm. there's no restriction here like commander shepherd can be really nice in one dialogue option the very next one he can be an asshole like it just it, it plays out like that but here it's showing you these things like the the circumstances of either polite society or like, you know, I just simply can't say this because it would put someone at risk shows what is going through my head as the pig farmer that stands separate that, that that makes me more than just an avatar. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I think that was really well done. I really enjoyed that. There's definitely one where he like gets very fraught and nervous and there's this one dialogue option that shows up and in like all the text like goes beyond the bounds of like the dialogue choice window Mm -hmm. and like stretches out beyond the actual screen because he's just so nervous. 
Um, <laughs> I thought I that like was really that. good. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. And, it, and they get like a little more askew over time. So like as you're having this one conversation, like the dialogue options that you can't pick, they start like rotating a little bit. So they're like not perfectly <laughs> lined up. It's it's a subtle touch that works really well. And I really like it. And overall, I really, I really like that game. Um, and it's like, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half long. Yeah, I really got to play that one. Yeah. I would love to see them get enough money to justify like maybe going back and like, you know, um, tightening up, tightening up the le- the graphics on level three, if you will. <laughs> uh, because, yeah. yeah, there's there's some stuff in there. Where it's like, ah, uh, looks a little rough, but I can forgive it. Mm-hmm. Part of the charm. Definitely, definitely support it because I don't think uh, my understanding is, is they're probably not going to use the money for that. They're going to use the money for their survival. It's a very yeah. small team of yeah. people who aren't really. Uh, um, I don't know. Financially secure right now, given yeah, I mean, the pandemic. Doc's, and Doc's pretty, pretty. Yeah, he's pretty honest yeah. about like you know he he um has some medical issues and he has talked about like being able to cover those costs um dealing with his medical stuff and whatnot right. and obviously like paying all the other people that worked on it because I think the team is like to remember the credits it's maybe like between like five and ten people something like mm-hmm. that did a bunch of different stuff on it but yeah it's yeah. really good. So pay full price for adios. Or I'll say adios to you, listener. <laughs> Alex, tell me about... You have this demo disc listed here. Okay. It says haunted PS1 demo disc. What is this? Um, as I'm a part of one, I am a fan of dev scenes. Mm. Um, and I believe demo scenes is just like another word for that. Anyway. No, no. Oh, well... No. <laughs> a, de- a demo scene specifically are people that are really into like uh shader and graphics engineering like demo scenes are people that are, they're like those dudes that are like let's try to make like a you know a, a uh like graphical like let's try to make some like cool like graphical effect in the smallest like file size imaginable like people so they're like basically that. the same thing uh <laughs> we're uh yeah um haunted ps1 is a group of really cool individuals whom I admire and would like to be a part of someday uh, who make horror games with bad graphics. Uh. Um, well, they make horror games in the style that they were back in the good old days on your PlayStation 1. Um, sure. The old Resident Evils, Silent Hills, what have you. You know, like that. We had a real golden age of survival horror back then. And uh, lots of people wish to return to it. And so this whole community was born. And man, they make some cool stuff. Uh, And they have some really talented people, as evidenced by the fact that every year or so, actually, I believe they released two last year, um, they come out with a demo disc, which is a whole EXE package. Um, It's essentially a playable launcher for a bunch of other projects that the group works on. Some of them are demos for bigger things. Some of them are full games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole, like, and, and this community has grown so much off of this, their collected efforts for this, that I believe last year the demo disc had eight games. Uh, this year has 25. Um, so I haven't gotten too far into it, so I don't have a whole lot to say. But um, I will I will say the launcher for itself is particularly impressive. 
it's a whole museum and there's like a lot of great stylization and secrets to be found within it um the first one i tried was one that uh just seemed like the most unique out of all of it peeb adventure is sort of a parody of n64 era collectathon platformers okay um but it is a unfinished in like the literal like it's story-wise the game of peeb adventures is unfinished and be cursed like there's something living in this game that that is causing it to be really weird and trippy um so it's all cutesy and colorful on the outside and then things start glitching up and it gets really weird and really terrifying i don't want to spoil too much about it um yeah i'm watching the cutscene or the trailer for it right now yeah specifically that one uh, uh, there is also an Easter egg apparently where if you play it with a controller, um, I didn't, so I don't know what button this is, but apparently there's a dedicated button for making the character say boner. <laughs> um, <laughs> finally, we finally innovation on the <laughs> dedicated dab button, dedicated boner button. <laughs> um, wait, give me a second. I, I need to write that down as potential, uh, episode title. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But just as I will continue to find dedicated buttons for dumb jokes, I have found the one for 2021, and it's the dedicated boner button. Well, uh, how's he say it? Like, what? Can you give me a? a... Uh, it's a. It, it keeps getting pitch shifted. It's like the oh, same good. line, but every time you say it, it's a slightly different pitch. So it's like boner. boner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be like boner, or it could be border. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> How scary is it? Like you know, I don't like um, horror. It's not. Okay, it's nothing jumps out at you. Nothing okay. shocks you, but it's definitely very unnerving. Okay. And a little jarring at times. Um the freakiest thing is you can sort of glitch through a wall at one area of the level and pick up a red key. Um and if you happen to carry it to another level, it unlocks a secret level, which is you sort of doing a super monkey ball thing through a, a weird maze. Okay. The entire time, this floating head is staring at you. Oh, I don't like that. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, but it watches you complete the maze. That's it's, upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I literally, when I was a kid, and I was at my friend's house, and we were playing Star Fox sixty four. I literally had to walk out of the room when he was fighting Andros, and the like external head got blown up, and it was just the brains and eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't, this is too scary. And I like, I, <laughs> and I was like eight or something, eight, nine, ten. Right. But I was like, I can't be in here. Like, I have to leave. So that's really like the most unnerving thing. There's plenty of other things that are just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, but it, it's, it's not too bad. And uh, I think that one specifically is a demo for a larger game that will come out eventually. So uh, be on the lookout for Peeb Adventure. And, great. Uh, great, great, play, great. Play the haunted PS1 demo disc and and try a bunch of these out. I I like I said haven't gotten through all of them yet, but there's there's 25 of these damn things. Uh, I will get to it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I definitely want to check that one out. I don't know if I could handle any of these other ones. Um, but we'll see. Uh, there is also a trailer for the demo disc itself that gives like a brief preview to all of them and also introduces uh skelly who's like the mascot for the group um uh honestly their trailers are all way too high production value for just like your average 
um dev scene uh it's it's scary good um also scary scary um so yeah twice as scary (laughs) for zero the price because it's free right yeah haunted ps1 demo disc that's cool check them out um all right well anything else you want to talk about alex anything else you're jonesing about not today really oh oh well well then well i don't know what do you got (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm looking i'm looking um we could talk about how balan wonderworld is sort of yeah you see i I have a feeling there's more news that's gonna happen to balan wonderworld in like the coming weeks when i first saw that game this this square enix 3d platformer when i first saw that game like whatever showcase it was on whatever stream it was on last year i was like what fucking portal to like 2002 opened up and like (laughs) spat out this like garish looking 3d platformer like who who asked for this 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 game coming out has introduced the term sega jank to me (laughs) and uh it was always something that i was like aware of but you know we never really had like a name for it um i knew from one article that this was the same guy as fantasy star online yeah i didn't realize it was also the same guy as sonic adventures oh now it's all making a sense (laughs) that's that's a deadly combination wait it's two different guys or that guy is the same for for same guy yeah one guy one guy two properties right uh well now three but it'll be his last um (laughs) i'm sorry i i don't mean to go too mean to him because apparently it might actually be but uh uh, just judging by one article um so really issues with it so so there was that seizure warning thing right. that like which, like which that. got patched out apparently right. day one patch took care of that um the, the only other thing i saw was the box fox it, what right did you see the box so, fox apparently this game invested itself on a one button control scheme i don't know if they were like aiming for mobile or what but uh, evidently your powers are all kind of like automatic and happen whenever the game determines it's right for them to happen because your only your only options are like move and jump and pause i so you there's a power called box fox and it turns you into a box and it seems to do so randomly <laughs> for for what point to what ends like it, i don't know i i saw the clip where it just kind of made the guy slide off the level yeah um they like turned off the all box. the friction <laughs> The box is like an untextured, slightly specular cube. <laughs> this is this is looking to be like the newest game that everyone points at when they're like hilariously shitty game. I I I can't imagine what exactly went through to make this the way it is. I it also apparently the way the the levels are like shadered is is making people nauseous. Oh, weird. Because as you move through levels, if you watch a lot of footage of this, you'll see it. <laughs> like um, you have. I, I've watched quite a bit at this point, actually. And I've been very curious, morbidly so. Um, as you move through levels, um, they kind of unfurl like they were a part of a scroll, but it's not super smooth. Oh, okay. It's a bit like a Mario... It's a bit like a Mario Galaxy planet, but in reverse, where you're like inside of it. And as oh. you approach a horizon, it goes from like curved upwards to flat. Oh no! 
and the way and and how that ends up working in real time on this game it looks horrendous and kind of nauseating and really bad for your spatial awareness uh i man i i feel real bad this is not looking like it's gonna be uh saved by anything either it's <laughs> like how much more money are they really willing to spend to make this game work they're gonna have to program a whole goddamn new button in <laughs> like to, <laughs> double to really... our workload <laughs> it's rough yeah um, you never want to be right when you see a game you're like this game just looks bad like just like from yeah. the from the, the word go it's like this just this this there's no way this is like a well-conceived product and then when that bears fruit and comes true you're just like well oh. yeah <laughs> some of the cutscenes are apparently worth it there's well some, that's some great cute stuff well, um i'll be sure it's tuned to the youtube video yeah uh currently there's like a meme i don't know it's just the, the beginnings of a meme surrounding it where there's like a scene where you can like do a really weird dance with this rustic looking farmer guy <laughs> it's like okay i'll have to find it I, I ball and wonder world keep an eye on it okay check in on it every once in a while make sure, sure it's okay <laughs> it's, yeah ask if you need make, to like sure. grub hub it something right actually uh make sure it's got like access to the suicide hotline it's, oh no it's, no it's it's not looking good <laughs> Okay. Um. Well, well, we can't end on a negative note like that, Alex. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about. I'm, I'm gonna talk about a a good 3D platformer. Um. I I. All right. So, I've been periodically still playing Super Mario 3D World plus mm-hmm. plus sign Bowser's Fury. I beat. Correct. I beat both. So I played. Yeah. All, I played 3D World all the way through again. Beat that. Uh. Beat Bowser's Fury. Um, man, I hate that there are such good Mario games with such a shitty, shitty art style. <laughs> I just hate this plasticky 3D world aesthetic. Yeah. It just feels fake. Like, it's just, it's not enjoyable. It's just not enjoyable to look at, especially with something like Odyssey, where Odyssey just feel, it just, it's so satisfying to look at. Like, you know, making the, the mushroom kingdom coins like actually look like metallic and 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 golden and and just going back to this it's just like oh yeah but and just the fact that it's like not a place it's very clearly a video game level you know it it, never going to be into these mario games but it's still fun to play uh really enjoyed both um the the bowser kaiju stuff it's just fascinating from like a design choice. Like every time mm-hmm. he shows up, like I don't think I ever got into like the Kaiju Bowser we last talked about it, but like when, when Bowser shows up, you go and find these Giga Bells that are like you unlock. So you have to get like a certain amount of like uh cat shines to like unlock a new Giga Bell. And you mm-hmm. run up to the Giga Bell when Bowser, you know, whatever I don't even know if they give him like an actual name, like Fury Bowser maybe is what they call him. Sure. And you get you get the Giga Bell and you grow really big and you're like a giant Goku and you're fighting this this kaiju 
and like you literally you look like goku like you you're in the cat suit still and your yeah. cat suit like head we, like we, turns we've into, seen like, the trailer yeah everyone's seen the image of of goku mario right um I th- i'm goku mario this is my brother goku goku um <laughs> and i think those fights are really cool and what really because like it's you know rule of threes every mario game it's like you gotta hit him three times or whatever but what's really cool is that like you have you have a tool set as giga mario that you don't really realize like i didn't pick up until like halfway through the game so like so when bowser turns into his fury form he like summons all these like pieces of stone that come down the turn to new platforms allow you to get to new places but when you're big when you're in like the giga cat form you can pick them up and then throw them at bowser because like he has like an attack cycle that's actually pretty long because he'll like spin up into a shell and then like you know roll around the environment and be kind of invulnerable it's like i don't know how to hit him because i don't have like a cappy like throw or anything like in this giga form like i have like the cat attack but it's you know i have to wait for him to be like right next to me but if you pick up one of these stone pillars you can just kind of like like a javelin like throw it at him in any of these stages and it'll do damage and disable him and then you can go and bop him on his head and whatever um so that's really cool yeah and what's also cool is that like as you progress as you get further and further into the game and you collect more shine sprites because if you collect a shine sprite while bowser is out in his fury form it'll you know uh do a little bit like chip damage to him and he'll go back under the water except as you get to the end of the game so the game ends when you get 50 shines um there's 100 total so whatever 50 you get kind of triggers like the final boss scene or boss Mm -hmm. fight and as you get closer to that limit the cat shines don't de-summon fury bowser so like he'll he'll pop up and like it'll start raining and the guitar will start playing or whatever and it's like oh i got i'm right next to this cat shine let me just grab that and you grab it and it says this has no effect on bowser anymore like you are stuck in like this bowser fury stage until you can get enough shines again to get a gigabell and and finally you know finish him off which i thought was really cool like it like it progresses the difficulty of the game in a really cool way and then after you complete the game you can go and collect the rest of the shines and then he just pops up every once in a while and getting a shine goes back to desummoning him and that's fun and 3d world is still 3d world and it uh now i'm going through the process of like trying to get every green star and stamp and you know get to the top of every flagpole because that like unlocks like some super special extra level that's like super difficult or whatever so mario games they're still good also throughout the course of this i think i started like uh at the end of last year i went back and replayed super mario odyssey and fuck that game still holds up that's oh a, yeah that's a great ass game i kind of want to go back and replay that one honestly it's really cool and what i realized in this playthrough i remember i, I was complaining about it when i was playing 3d world um that there's no real like what i like about super mario galaxy is that there's like a it'll show you where you haven't picked up stars at like oh there's a secret star in this level you haven't gotten that one yet it'll like mm-hmm. direct you to the specific level and then you have to explore that level to actually find it and i was like i wish odyssey had that it does actually like there's the parrot the the talkatoo i think is what it's called that gives yeah, you yeah. it that what that does, the, if you talk to the talker to, it'll show you, it'll give you the names of five 
power moons in a world they haven't gotten yet but it's just yeah. the name so you have to like be able to understand like the context of like oh bullet bill dash or whatever it's like all right this obviously revolves around something using bullet bills but there's also the hint toad and if you pay the hint toad 50 coins he'll just mark on the maps like this this power moon's right here motherfucker yeah <laughs> and you can just go and explore that area and i love that like i think that makes that game that makes the completionism aspect of that game like so much more manageable to me because mm-hmm. like it's like oh okay i can i can i can zoom i i can i can you know zero in on this small subsection of the map and i know i have to i have to look in this area to find it and i i, I love that you can I also like, use purple moons or, or sorry amiibos to find the purple yes. coins yes to talk to good old uncle amiibo Uncle Amiibo. His drunk ass. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Hey, you want to know where some stuff is? I'll let you know. I love my Uncle Amiibo. (laughs) See him at every Christmas. So good to me. Yeah. (laughs) Always brings me toys. He always smells funny. I don't know why. (laughs) Maybe it's the aftershave he uses. I think it's probably that. Yeah. All right. Well, we've definitely ran over. (laughs) Something. Battle in Wonderworld, definitely. Yeah. It's crushed. Yeah. Uh, time? Nah. No, definitely no. not. There's okay. infinite time. We can keep talking <laughs> forever and always. Uh, Alex, is there anything else you would like to discuss before we close up shop for the day? Um, you know what? There are way too many game announcements to go through, so I'm gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna say none of them exist. Yeah. Don't uh, care. Pretty sure there's no other games in the world right now outside of Monster Hunter Rise. So uh, we're fair. just going to stick to that. And uh, All right. Well, I will say I am excited for that new Life is Strange. Um, and that's all I have to really say yeah. about any of these announcements. Um, cool. Well, Alex, thank you again for another another cheery episode. Where can, <laughs> people, fi- where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at G-H-O-D-A-N with an underscore. That's go, Dan, with an underscore. That's go, Dan. Yep. Yep. Uh, and you can find me <laughs> at Dilomento. If you like this podcast and you want to find and you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at word-games.com or on Twitter at Word Video Games or wherever podcasts are listened to. Just search Wordcast. Alex, thank you again. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.